This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. As the NZSO celebrates its 75th anniversary, we're asking 10 New Zealanders to choose a piece of music that sparks an emotional connection. And we're pairing them with 10 musicians from the NZSO who have their own intimate understanding of how the music works. I kind of got into classical music when I was about 12 and I started with Mozart and worked my way through Beethoven and then Schubert. Graham Downs is a former rock and roll frontman for Flying Nun Band, The Verlaines. Why I'm so passionate about classical music, still after all these years, is because actually there's a profound respect embedded in it of the intellect of the composer that can and go, if I can get it and hear it, you can too. Nowadays, Dr Downs is a well-known musicologist. The first thing that you learn from a really great work and a great composer is take notice of the first thing they tell you. So that's the first phrase, it's a three bar phrase, and it plays a game whereby the, the second. Franz Schubert's Ninth Symphony in C Major is the Austrian composer at the peak of his powers. It's simply known as The Great. So I'd only just recently listened to it again for the first time in 20 years or more and went, oh, there's a reason. This is a really great work. From Bird of Paradise, the NZSO and RNZ, this is Crescendo. So what makes Schubert's great symphony so great? Graham Downs has been thinking about it for much of his career. But the music's full of those existential questions, it seems to me. The finale is kind of like the absolute, or well, the thing that still grips me, gripped me when I first heard this piece of music when I was about 14 years old. Transcendence of certain passages, you know, and it's it's again it's it's march like relentlessly in four bar phrases. Mm-hmm. 
symphony orchestras are extremely expensive, having worked quite closely and served on the board of the DSO for quite a few years and, and, and done some orchestral concerts uh, or curated them. You know, it takes a lot of money to get that many bums on seats you know, for rehearsals and then a gig. You know, it's, it's, it's really, really, really expensive, which always brings it back to me that, you know, because of that pure economic necessity, why are we still programming this? Because you have to get bums on seats and it has to mean something to people. And clearly Schubert 9 does still mean a great deal to people. Hai Hong Leo plays first violin with the NZSO. Over the years, she's developed her own ideas about the longevity of Schubert's works. I absolutely love Schubert as a string player. He is one of my favourite composers, writing for strings. Every single piece takes my heart. I love Schubert's harmonies, the texture he wrote for strings, just phenomenal. The melancholy, you know, sentimental side, as well as it's, it's a real complex of emotion in his writing. But for all its beauty and expressiveness, the symphony has a reputation of being a challenging piece, especially for strings. Yes, because technically it is very challenging for that time. You know, the story I think I read online of, you know, the first attempted performance in Britain can't remember which city it was in. It was probably London, I don't know. The string players all just fell about the floor laughing and then refused. For page after page in the finale, they just thought it was nonsense. They thought the composer was, was mad. And it was beneath their dignity to, to submit themselves to playing this rubbish. <laughs> Schubert's Ninth Symphony only surfaced after his death, but he's believed to have written it sometime between 1825 and 1826, only one year after another composer living in Vienna debuted his Ninth Symphony. One of the questions that you, you ask about any composer is what conditions are they labouring under? And for Schubert, if you're going to write a symphony, you're labouring under the, the big guy. The big guy in this case is Ludwig van Beethoven, at the time the most famous composer in the world. If you're going to write symphonies, <laughs> you're in trouble, you know, because the bar's way up there now. You have to compete with where Beethoven put it. As Hai Hong Leo sees it, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony may have acted as a powerful creative spur for Schubert. Beethoven, there is a very tempo stretch out, but with Schubert, this great symphony, so he wrote it extremely long and repetitively 
fast tempo, and the whole last movement it's about ten minutes long, but it's all fast for strings. It's you know like when we hear the texture on the brass and woodwind in the lyrical part, playing beautiful melody, and underneath our string player is really, really on two thousand notes flying on the strings. <laughs> Well, apparently it's a very difficult route to play because of that, because it's so easy to orchestras do not like crapping out, basically, and it's really easy to get lost when you're doing page after page of you know, because it's just you know the dots on a page, pretty easy for the trombonists compared with the with the violinists, I would say. As a 14-year-old, I listen to this and go. You know, irrespective of <laughs> the existential problems and all the rest of that, redemption is still possible, and there it is in the music. Beautiful melody, the most heavenly beautiful melody. He collected from his experience, from the world he was living, and combined with all the imagination that he could give to weaving all these materials together. Schubert never saw an audience respond to this work. Not a single one of his symphonies was published in his lifetime. He died in 1828 when he was only 31. The symphony in C major was found in a suitcase a decade later. Schubert up to the last. He wrote this. Absolutely magnificent work. Probably knowing that no one was going to hear it, and he was never going to get a pat on the back or a thank you for doing it, but he wrote it anyway. James K. Baxter, New Zealand poet, says the only way to stop a poem climbing up your back is to write it down. And you know, music's actually pretty similar. That's why that one passage in the finale, where the the end becomes the beginning, the beginning becomes the end. Just still, after all these years, from a 14-year-old when I hear it, I just have to stand up. I can't even sit down listening to, it, you know, because it's phenomenal. It's、uh, one of the great moments in all classical music. You know, I know what that feels like. You know, you can labour away doing stuff, and it's unperformed or unperformable, and. Maybe you're not even going to get to make a record out of it, whatever. But you know, but you can't stop yourself from doing it. Yeah, good old Schubert, eh? <laughs>
Crescendo is presented by me, Clarissa Dunn. Produced and written by Noelle McCarthy for Bird of Paradise Productions, with a sound mix by Mark Chesterman. Kakite anō.